episode on today's uh, podcast, I got a story about why it's important that scientific studies about human health actually replicate what's going on in the human body. <laughs> okay, that was probably a little bit too complicated. Let me try this again. Um, let's break it down this way. Uh, today, I've got a story about why studies done in the lab need to be relevant to how our body actually works. Okay, how's that? Is that better? I think so. All right. So it's a story. It's a story of eating. And eh, probably a story of overindulgence for some of us. For others, it's a story of just eating and pain. Really? Yeah, I think that's accurate. And it's a story of cancer. Ooh, cancer. Scary. People don't like cancer, right? Eh, maybe not cancer. Maybe that's, maybe that's a bridge too far. I mean, maybe, <clears throat> maybe it'd be more accurate to say alleged cancer. There we go. Today's story is about... Heartburn. Yes, heartburn. And a drug called Zantac and court of law. How's that? So stick around. Let's let's talk about this. You know, I think most of us like to eat. I like to eat. Anyone who's ever seen me knows I like to eat. I like to eat lots of things. I like to eat cheese, meat. I like uh, you know, um uh what's it called? Um Cured meats, bacon. Oh, bacon's good. Beef jerky, beef jerky's good. You know, I like all that stuff. I like steak. I like salads. I'm not ashamed to admit that. A nice Caesar salad, you know, it's good. I'm lucky. I don't get heartburn. My dad gets heartburn. I know a lot of people who get heartburn. But I don't get heartburn. Uh, I think... You know, I could probably count on one hand the number of times I got heartburn. It's not often. It's very, very rare for me to get heartburn. But a lot of people get heartburn. Uh, you know, according to numbers from NIH, about 60 million Americans experience heartburn at least once a month. And I feel bad for the 15 million Americans who get it every single day. Can you imagine that? Oh, God, that's awful. If you're one of those people who gets heartburn, I am so sorry for you. I, I have a lot of empathy for you. That, that, just, that just sounds awful awful. For those of us who don't get heartburn, in case you're wondering what it's like, it's uh, described by many as a burning sensation in your chest. That just sounds awful. Uh, Some people experience a really sour taste in their mouth. And I know other people actually experience some of the stomach contents coming into their mouth. Oh, God, that just sounds awful. So clearly, I mean, if you're experiencing these kinds of, of, you know, symptoms, gosh, you, you want relief, right? And, you know, for those of us who don't get very often, antacids are probably a really easy way to go. If you get this a lot, though, gosh, no, antacids is not going to be cutting it for a lot of people. And, you know, they they need to, you know, they want to take something that's going to work for them in the long term. So there's there's some drugs that that could actually uh, help with this. There's like cimetidine or tagament and ranitidine or Zantac and, you know, well. What they do is they bind to a little receptor in your stomach called the histamine H2 receptor, and uh, they prevent histamine from binding there. So your body naturally produces histamine, and that histamine will bind to this receptor in your stomach, the histamine H2 receptor, and that will trigger um, stomach acid to be produced and secreted into your stomach. Well, what cimetidine or ranitidine you might know cimetidine better as tagamate or ranitidine as Zantac. What they do is they, they, they bind to the receptor, but they, 
block histamine from binding there. And what that's going to do is it's going to decrease the amount of uh, stomach acids being produced. It'll decrease the amount of stomach uh, acid being secreted into your stomach. And ultimately, it should give you heartburn relief. And so that's a great thing, right? I mean, people, people really want some relief because this, this is awful. This is horrible, horrible stuff. So there's been, you know, some concern going way back. I mean, even to, into the eighties, uh, when, um, uh, ranitidine first became, you know, fairly popular and, and, uh, you know, companies started uh, producing it. There was this known issue where ranitidine could, or Zantac, uh, could become a kind of, uh, nitrosamine type chemical. And in particular, NDMA, which is just a, a, you know, that's the shortened way of, of saying the long name, which, uh, I can never remember. I have to look it up here. And nitrosodimethylamine. And even folks like me don't necessarily remember all these chemical names off the top of our heads. So we have to look them up too. You know, it, it, it was known that Zantac or ranitidine could, could become NDMA. It's been known for a while. But in order for that reaction to happen, you have to have, you know, proper conditions. And one of those conditions is you have to have uh, nitrite. And in the presence of nitrite, ranitidine can form NDMA, and it can do that um, typically if it's in an acidic environment that will, that will hasten this uh, production. But you need to have sodium nitrite, and you need to have a lot of it. Well, there was a company uh, called Valisure. Valisure, um, among many other things, they will uh, examine drugs and they'll see if there's any kind of contaminants in there. And like I said, it's, it's fairly well known that you can get this NDMA contaminant uh, from Zantac in the presence of an acid with high amounts of, of uh, sodium nitrite. And one of the things that Valisure did was it conducted a study using an artificial stomach where they pump in all kinds of stuff, you know, all kinds of different acids and everything uh, to, to simulate, you know, the gastric juice in your stomach, right? They, they put this in this, uh, in this container, which is uh, the artificial stomach. They put in a ton, not, not a literal ton, but, you know, I put in a lot of sodium nitrite in there. They put Zantac in there. They, uh, draw out some uh, a sample from this artificial stomach, and they ask the question, can we find NDMA? Well, based on what I just told you, you know for a fact they're going to find NDMA, right? The conditions are ripe for NDMA. I mean, this, of course, you're going to have ND NDMA in there. And Valisheer, sure enough, you know, they found NDMA. And, you know, when you have a situation where it's like the perfect storm, right? Hey, we found this uh, contaminant, and it just so happens NDMA is a probable human carcinogen. Uh, like most things, there is a level that is safe. FDA will even tell you, you know, there's a level that's safe. As long as you're at or below that level and you're exposed to it at that safe level, every day of your life for 70 years, you will not get cancer. 
All right. Well, there was a lawsuit. People were really scared, right? Because I think about it. Think about it. If your choices are, well, let's see here. I could not have heartburn or I could have cancer. Um, that's pretty scary, right? Cancer is really scary. I don't want cancer. I don't know of anyone who does. That's horrible. And so now these people are scared and they think, well, crap, I've been taking the Zantac. And now Valisher is saying that, uh, you know, based on their study, my stomach could be producing you know, this carcinogen NDMA, it could be producing this in my stomach as I'm taking this drug to treat my heartburn. Well, that's not cool. That That's absolutely not cool. So that's the perfect storm for a class action lawsuit. And that's, that's what's happening right now. We're still in the midst of a class action lawsuit. It, uh, lots of, uh, lawsuits got combined into it's a multi, uh, district, uh, litigation, uh, is the fancy word for it, but basically they combine all these different lawsuits together. And there's a, a judge in South Florida who is uh, hearing all this. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Now, remember, I was telling you that, you know, today, today's story is a story of, well, it's a story of many things, but one of those is it's important that when you do a lab study, that it actually replicates what's going on in the human body. Okay. So when we're doing these studies, we need to actually replicate the physiological conditions that we're dealing with. Now, remember, let's rewind. I, I said, you know, I wasn't giving you very specific terms, but I said, you know, they put in a lot of sodium nitrite into this artificial stomach, and then they're seeing NDMA being produced, right? Now, you might be saying, okay, so, uh, you know, what, how much? How much are we talking? How, how much bigger is this? What would you think if I said 20,000 times higher? That's clearly not physiologically relevant, right? That, that does not replicate what we see in the human condition. That does not replicate the levels of sodium nitrite that we would see in a human stomach, right? 20,000 times? That's, 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 that's astronomical. It's even 300 times higher than if you ate a whole bunch of bacon. 300 times higher than after a nitrite-rich meal, okay? And like I said, you know, nitrite, let's, let's back up. Let, you know, I've, man, I forgot to tell you what nitrite's used in, right? Where would you ever see nitrite? Why would nitrite ever be in your stomach? You're probably wondering. If you like cured meats or cured fish, nitrite is probably in there. Nitrite is a salt that's commonly used in order to cure meats. So if you like beef jerky, and I'm raising my hand, you know, I do. I love beef jerky. Who doesn't love beef jerky? Man, I mean, if you're a carnivore and you don't like beef jerky, I, I just kind of, really? If you're a vegan, clearly, I, I would be shocked if you're a vegan and you eat beef jerky. That, that, that just shouldn't be a thing. But if you're if you're someone who eats meat and you don't like beef jerky, man, you're missing out. That's good stuff there. Bacon, uh, I mean, you know, bacon was a fad just a few years ago, right? Just imagine how much nitrate people were ingesting right there. Uh, today, to produce bacon, it's not uncommon that you're going to pump the bacon full of nitrate. Now, there's a limit, right? USDA sets a limit on how much nitrate you can have 
Uh, off the top of my head, I'd need to go back, but I think it's uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, um, uh, what, uh, 200 uh, ppm or something like that. But when you ingest that bacon, you're not getting 200 ppm nitrite. Let's be very clear about that. Only a little bit of that nitrite is actually going to get in, is going to be in your stomach and stay in your stomach. Most of it's going to get pumped out into your intestines, into your fecal matter and leave. Uh, some of it may get absorbed into your body. But what we really care about is how much is actually in this gastric solution. And like I said, uh, even for a nitrite-rich meal, the amount of nitrite being used in these studies that Valisure paid for was still 300 times higher than what you'd have for a nitrite-rich meal. Okay, These are just crazy levels of nitrite. So the amount of nitrite that is actually in your stomach is is actually not too terribly high, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, but like I said, the thing that I found fascinating about the, this, these Valisure studies is they are typically using 20,000 times higher amounts of sodium nitrite than is actually found in human gastric juice. And like I said, and sometimes 300 times if you, you know, after a nitrite-rich meal. This, this means that Valisure was actually using an unrealistic amount of sodium nitrite. And only under these extremely unrealistic situations were they seeing these increases in NDMA. Isn't that fascinating? So they had to have these unrealistic situations with these huge amounts of nitrite before they finally saw an increase in NDMA. So what does that mean? Well, what that means is these studies that are using these levels of sodium nitrite that are just simply outrageous aren't relevant. They aren't relevant to you or me. If in order for you and me to get NDMA produced after taking Zantac, we have to like swallow an entire bottle of sodium nitrite or something, that's not relevant. Get 20,000 times more sodium nitrite in order to get the NDMA levels up. That's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So clearly these studies are not relevant to humans, right? That's very clear. And that's kind of what's important here, is we need to bring it back to relevance. And so when we're looking at studies and we're trying to figure out, hey, you know, is this study actually relevant for my situation? We need to go back and we need to make sure that the study is actually relevant. So if you know someone who is going, you know, who's talking on and on and on and on about how Zantac is creating, you know, is going to give them cancer, I think you need to have a nice conversation with them and say, okay, well, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at these papers and, you know, let's find out how much sodium nitrite is there actually in the stomach. And then let's look at how much these studies are using before they finally see this increase in NDMA, which is the chemical that's ultimately, you know, the, the carcinogen here. And carcinogen is a chemical that, gives you, that could give you cancer. And what you see is, oh, well, you have to have these ridiculous levels of sodium nitrite that you could never, ever ingest before you finally get there. And... And importantly, 
as long as your NDMA levels are below what the FDA says is going to give you cancer, you know, like I said, if the NDMA levels are below at or below that threshold level, you could be at that level for se- every day. You could take that level every day for 70, uh, for 70 years and still not see cancer. So not only is the sodium nitrite levels not relevant, but you have to make sure that that NDMA level that you're being exposed to on a daily basis for 70 years is above the threshold. If it's not, then you really don't have much risk of cancer. And that's, that's really what this boils down to. So, man, it's just crazy, isn't it? I, I still have, <laughs> I'm still having issues here processing the fact that they, that they thought it was scientifically relevant to use sodium nitrite levels that are 20,000 times higher than what is in the human stomach. I, that's just that's just mind-boggling, and the thing that the thing that concerns me even more, and you know, all due respect to the to the plaintiffs' attorneys, I'm not I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. Most attorneys are not scientists; they don't know this stuff. They are relying upon their experts, and the fact that they didn't have access to any experts that stopped and said wait a second, this level of sodium nitrite is outrageously high. That, that just, man, there's something, so there, there's clearly something wrong with, with the way our system works. If, you know, cases like this can, can move forward. But, you know, the good news is the judge saw right through it. The, the judge on December 6th, uh, and this is actually how I found out about this particular issue. The judge on December 6th uh, published a uh, an opinion that threw out um, most, if not all, of the plaintiff's experts uh, because of many reasons. But for this particular Valisher study I'm talking about today, she pointed out the fact that, you know, this is 20,000 times higher, 20,000 times higher than the amount of sodium nitrite that you would find in, in, in an actual human stomach. That, that is just completely not relevant here. So I'm glad the judge saw it. I'm glad that the judge you know, came to the right conclusion on that. Um, that that's, that's just great. That gives me hope. But we need everybody to be able to do that. And we need people to really question the science. And people really need to... Think long and hard about this. By the way, uh, you might be wondering, you know, wh- where's the FDA sit on this? Well, so ranitidine was voluntarily recalled. Uh, you cannot purchase it today in the United States. The FDA has done some clinical trials, and in their clinical trials, albeit they are small, I will say that these are small clinical trials. Uh, in the clinical trial that I read uh, recently, uh, FDA found that there was no production of NDMA in the human stomachs that would cause any kind of concern. So hopefully, you know, we'll see where this all ends up with respect to the lawsuit. The judge came to the right conclusion. Uh, bravo to the judge. I, I really, uh, that, that gives me a lot of hope. So anyway, again, bottom line, this is, if you remember nothing else, I tell you, remember this. 
you need to look at how the study is actually designed and you need to make sure that what is happening in the study is relevant to the human situation. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, I'm Dr. Lyle Bergen. This is uh, Critical Science. I'll talk at you another time. Thanks. Thanks.